Hey guys, this is Hunter Levine, and thank you for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast. Brought to you by Skinny Water Culture, All Hands Vodka, Turtle Box Audio, Costa Sunglasses, and Orvis Fly Fishing. Recently, I've been pushing myself to get outside of my normal box. After a day on the St. John's River with my friend and photographer, Michael Martin, I got the chance to post up and grill out along the bank with two former presidents of the UCF, University of Central Florida, fishing club, known as the Real Knights. UCF is known for having a strong club, and I've heard a lot about it over the past few years and was excited to get the opportunity to learn more for myself. In this podcast, we dive into all the ins and outs of collegiate fishing clubs and how they can make an impact in the lives of others through coaching, connecting, and charity work. We hope that you enjoy our time together. Thank you for listening. This is the Captain's Collective. I'll say it's anything you choose, I think it picks you, you know, it's genetic. Let everything else stop in the world and just be quiet. And then it's amazing where your mind goes at that point um, and where it doesn't go. And sometimes just that quiet space is, is what we need, and especially in this day and age. You have a fly rod in your hand. It's this tool that takes you to beautiful places. You meet hopefully wonderful people. And it's just this cherry on top of this outdoor adventure. When the fish is coming, that shot within a shot, that timer starts. No one else knew anything anyway, and you're just might definitely making it up if you're going along. But so what Grandpa and Dad would tell me is like, all right, where's the old big trout laying out there? Where's his shaving cream on the water? Where's he been shaving this morning? At? So look for his shaving cream on the water, and that's where he's gonna be. All right. Hey, guys, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Man, it's been a really fun afternoon out here on the St. John's River. My first time on the St. John's River, which is great, out here with Michael Martin, learning the ropes. And right now we are at the Lightning Shack, live from the Lightning Shack. A lot of fun stories in this place. A lot of, we'll call it character in this uh, spot that we're in. Just grilled some hot dogs, enjoying the sunset over the St. John's. And uh, really grateful and excited to learn about the real nights uh, which will be my first look into collegiate fishing clubs. Is that right? Is that collegiate fishing club? Is that a good terminology? That is right. That's what we categorize it as. So go ahead, give me a quick introduction about who you are and your relation to the UCF fishing club. My name's Keegan Murphy. I began in the fishing club as a uh, charity event coordinator. I kind of like spearheaded new projects to get more people involved in fishing and kind of bring fishing into less fortunate kids' lives. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of like propelled me through the club and it led to me becoming president. And unfortunately my tenure didn't last as long. It was cut short with COVID, mm-hmm. but I was able to come back and help the club put on another charity event where we took some kids fishing. And that's something we'll talk about a little bit later on in the podcast, but yeah, yeah awesome. that's how I got involved. So I'm Logan Dixon. Um, I was post COVID. Um, I actually, you know, I joined the club initially just because I was like, oh, fishing, I like doing that. And, you know, probably like most college kids. Um, And then I ended up actually really liking it once I got involved. Um, It turned into really just a love affair. And I ended up being vice president for the my junior year. And then my senior year, I ended up taking presidency. And, you know, we did a lot of really, really cool stuff when I was president. So I was really proud of that. And uh, again, stuff we'll talk about. 
Yeah, so we're talking about presidency. We're talking about fishing clubs. Give us the rundown for those of us who don't know much about really kind of everything that goes into these these college fishing clubs. What is a college fishing club? How long has the UCF one been going? I've been told it's the largest in the world, <laughs> maybe. You in could say that. America? UCF's pretty big. We're, we have about 70,000 students, maybe a little bit more now. And all a part of the fishing club. <laughs> all a part of the fishing club, yes. No, give it give and us a rundown. Like tell us the history, the kind of for those who don't know much about it. Well, the fishing club's really meant to make UCF a smaller place and bring people, like mind outdoorsmen together. It's not just necessarily a fishing club, mm. but more of an outdoors club. People who enjoy boating, going to sandbars, hunting, fishing, all of the above. It really helps UCF feel like a smaller school than it actually is. Mm-hmm. We're basically a little city and you know people come from all over the state and they don't really know anybody else but we all kind of have like that same common love mm-hmm. for getting out there. And um yeah, yeah no I, I I really think Keegan nailed it on the head like if I could run it up in one sentence it'd literally be that like it just makes UCF feel like a smaller place but you know it's also more than that too because you know when you have more hands it makes light work and you know when you have light work you're able to get like really meaningful things done um you know so whether that be through what our partnerships are um you know planting mangroves making oyster reefs like that's you know that's all really important to us but uh also having a good time and you know meeting a bunch of people and just like what he was saying you know where you have uh you know either people that love to duck hunt or anything it doesn't really matter because they're all welcome like mm-hmm. you know it's it's really a great place and um yeah, I, I suppose that's a pretty good synopsis. Yeah, well, Jeff. let's talk, talk me through this. I think this this might be um, this might be helpful. But let's say, okay, I'm a freshman. I'm coming into UCF. You guys have a table, Instagram. How do I find out about you? So, as an incoming freshman for myself, I actually chose to come to UCF from due to the fishing club. I okay. it showed up on my Instagram Explore feed, and I was accepted to FSU, UF, and UCF really had that differentiating factor. It had a large fishing club that seemed well-connected with some reputable brands. Uh, during my tenure as president, we would also set up booths to try to you know, gain attention to freshmen during orientation days. Mm-hmm. And I would, uh, <laughs> I would set up a little fishing rod with a little Costa pendant taped to a dollar bill, and I'd reel people in, like okay. just walking by the student union. <laughs> So we okay, go- so do a little bit of table. You chose it because it had a large fishing club. What's large? How many people is like if, if you had to just kind of ballpark it? Coming in, we had a my freshman year. We had about 180 members, uh, which was largest. I know Colorado Boulder's fly fishing club is pretty large as well right now. It's about it's about 120 out there, but it's pretty substantial. I know going into COVID, it kind of hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Really hurt. hurt. Yeah. yeah. Logan sure. can talk a little more on that. It hurt recruiting and keeping people involved in the club. But if you so, want. well, talk me through this too, just because I'm trying to get the full picture here. All right. I'm a freshman. I come. I see your booth. I sign up. You throw me in a basement. You spank me with a paddle. You brand me with a fish hook. <laughs> now I'm a part of the club. Okay. 180 people. What, what types of activities, what does being a part of the club mean? It means. I, I guess that you're cool. I, I don't really know what it, it means. It means that you're cool. <laughs> it, means that it, 
Uh, it means that you like the outdoors. Uh, but like, it, what do you do? It depends because, well, you tailgate. Uh, that's always a given. You come out here, you camp. Um, that's, again, just one of the traditions that we always do. Um, but really, like, we do so much different stuff that mm-hmm. it's, on a yearly basis, it's not the same. Um, so, really, like, this year we pushed hard to try and restore har- habitat. Like, that was that was a big thing. Like, one of my, uh, you know, people that I talk to most on my board was my conservation and outreach director um and that was again like a big push because we knew that that would be something i think that would drive home um you know just like ucf is more than just like oh go out there maybe drink a beer or two catch a fish you know uh, it, it it was it was really cool it panned out beautifully we did some really cool stuff went some really cool places uh, to make all that happen so is it like 180 people coming to camp here at the lightning shack i mean uh that seems like a lot of people you're right that is a lot of people it's like and a, like a fishy woodstock so i guess i guess now kind of transitions into a good time for me to talk about like what happened during covid because it really was a defining period and it hurt everybody like it was you know that tide that rised all boats it sank them to low tide and it was we were sitting on bottom at that point but you know, we had, like what Keegan was saying, 180 people, um, and then we were, it shrank just a little bit down until about, like, 150, and then COVID came around, and we lost our active membership down to literally, like, 30 people. Mm. You know, it just ruined everybody, and that was the same for FSU, or FSU, I don't even know if it's around anymore, but uh, UF really hurt them, really hurt Florida Gulf Coast, mm-hmm. uh, USF, like, all these different collegiate clubs. Um, and a lot of them are rebuilding. They're doing pretty well about it. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, UCF was not unaffected by that. Would you guys have, like, monthly meetings or just events? I mean, that's kind of, I guess, what I'm trying to wrap my head around is, like, obviously, like, I join the club. I pay some dues. I get a, I get access to meet people and network with people who like to hunt and fish. But, like, what what does life in the club look like? Is it monthly meetings, conservation stuff? Yes, we do have monthly meetings, and we try to always have an interesting speaker come out. So C.A. Richardson made multiple appearances with the club, and he was just amazing. He came out, Mm -hmm. talked about inshore techniques, you know, knot tying, lure choices, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We had George Poveromo come out and talk about offshore techniques, fishing for mahi. He gave away new fishing lures to some of our students, auctioned off fishing trips and stuff like that. Uh, one of the things I think is most special about our fishing club is that the board members regularly maintain a lake house. So everybody kind of has a spot to go and decompress from school, work, whatever kind of issues you're having, Mm -hmm. go out, fish behind the lake house, take a boat or jet ski around, have lake parties, pool parties, stuff like that. This, you know, at the spot that we're basically like, you know, safe at, Mm -hmm. disconnected from school, everything else. You can really like bond with each other. Yeah. I think what excited me about this opportunity is, you know, I've been going around and like I've interviewed CA and CA is great. He's a great educator and he's, um, I think he's really just done a great job of showing what it looks like to create media that's meaningful. And, um, I, I think that's, that's to me, interviewing those guys is, is really enjoyable, but then to look at something like a club and say, okay, this is something that is really impactful and meaningful. And I knew when I was talking to Michael Martin, who's a friend of mine, he was like, Hey, you should really think about covering this story about the UCF fishing club. That really intrigued me because I didn't, I guess I haven't thought much about it because when I was in college, I just wasn't a part of fishing club. I did fish. And, um, 
you know, to hear about the opportunity for education and to help people really try to learn like the entire perspective of the outdoor lifestyle and all that to me is really exciting. We're here right now at the lightning shack and he, Michael was telling me earlier when we were running around, he was showing me the river that a lot of people will join the club and not have boats and that, you know, that you would shuttle people out here and, and just try to help people get on the water because there's always this weird tension in the outdoor world where people love to do it to fish and to hunt and they want to share those experiences and at the same time there's a part of them that doesn't want too many people to do it and then you kind of have these clubs where you're trying to help pass the torch and help people have access talk to me about what it looks like for the club to try to help kids who uh students who didn't grow up doing it or didn't have access to it i would i would say one of our most like involved members and people who are most passionate about getting people out uh his name was bobby buzaki he liked fishing a lot on kayaks uh, our club actually had uh, designated kayaks where you know club members could take it, take them no question not, questions mm-hmm. asked, just sign them out. And Bobby would always take people out and make sure that they had a good time fishing, teach them, you know, even those basic skills. So where if they don't have boats, they can have a good time outdoors on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't fun, know if you want to add on. Yeah, a fun fact about Bobby is that he still fishes our tournaments. Uh, I just ran my last one uh, here this past, I think it was April. And, uh, yeah, he won it. Um, he's he's really good. So, yeah, I just figured I'd throw that in there. Yeah, well, th- that to me that's really cool because I work a lot with college students, and so many of them, there's this barrier. It's, like, it's intimidating to go out and – get on a boat and get on the water and try to learn something. It's frustrating. It's hot. It's just, there's so many barriers to entry to think about a way for there to be camaraderie and for people to connect, because that's what most college students are really looking for. That's why people join frats is why a lot of people join clubs outside of career advancement. A lot of college students are really looking for connection. And my experience has been that more college students are looking for connection, even than career advancement for the most part. And to hear, you know, about all the different, opportunities they have to get access to kayaks and to go fishing with people who do have boats and to link people up. I think to me, that's a, that's a really cool thing. And I'm sure you have some funny stories out here, um, of, of, you know, kind of the club getting together, any that kind of come to mind, just funny things that's happened over the years. I don't know if I can tell a bunch of them, but, um, (laughs) you can do the PG version. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I can keep the PG version. I I think quite a number of them have actually happened out here because we do our annual, you know, camping trip out here when it's nice and less mosquito-y, uh, you know, the national bird of Florida. Um, but yeah, so there's been quite a few times where, you know, people have passed out in the field, maybe, uh, you know, typical college stuff, but it's, uh, pretty incredible you know honestly just sitting around the campfire with everybody like you really do have that real connection moment like what you were saying and I think that's what most people like crave when you come into college um is like you come into this giant place and uh, you know 70,000 people maybe and uh you know no one you know a lot of the times you move relatively far away from your home to come to these places and you know you sit around a campfire with a bunch of people maybe have a couple beers and you become friends the next day like you wake up you may not remember what you said but I mean, at the same time, you're like, I remember that person. I remember I had a good time. That's all I need to know. And, uh, yeah, it just turns into something incredible. Um, so, yeah, connections, you know. Yep. Going into that, underneath this lightning house, actually, I during one of my first camping trips we did out here, I didn't really know very many people. But by later in the night, we were uh, 
we were grilling hot dogs out underneath this porch and there was a, a folding table right here and we were all singing you never even called me by my name by david alco i can't remember the exact mm -hmm. song title but we were all singing it so loud we were all getting so rowdy and pumped up someone ended up falling through the floor of the shack that hole right here yeah, yeah. i'm pretty sure that was <laughs> that was right around <laughs> they fell right through the hole they they broke a broke a floorboard out we were getting so pumped up but this is just everybody like none of us really knew each other up until that camping trip and we just you know bonded so close over hanging out tell me just kind of slow down for me and tell me about what the club has meant to you and how it's impacted you as an angler and as a person as an angler um i've learned a lot like you know from there's a bunch again like i was saying where there's a bunch of people from all over the place um you know it really is like you learn a lot um, because some people are from Miami, some people are from Tampa, some people are from here, and it's just like, you know, you learn all these different ways to fish, and then if you so desire, you could end up taking what they say, applying it to your own water, and maybe being a little bit more successful because of it. Like, um, you know, I never really knew how to fly fish until about last year. Um, well, like, I mean, I had a fly rod. I didn't know how to throw it. I just, it sat in my closet. That was all. Um, but some of the people that were in the club new to and so i kind of ended up listening to them i ended up catching my first you know little micro tarpon on fly and it was incredible i was hooked and now it's like all i want to do um but it's you know it, it's amazing how many different doors and avenues you know whether you're fishing hunting like there's so much different conversation and stuff knowledge that all these different people have like everybody knows something that you don't um and so you put that all together and then you become a better fisherman, not even because you went out and fished, but because you listened to what the other person had to say, applied it to what you know, and then you did better because of it. Slow me down just for a minute because UCF, for people who aren't from Florida, UCF is in Orlando, Florida. It's centrally located. So you have, you're, you're an hour and change from, you know, basically being in the Indian River and having Mosquito Lagoon. You're not that far from Homosassa, the historic tarpon grounds, Snook, all that. But yeah, you have students. It's centrally located, so you have students coming from Jacksonville, from the Panhandle, from Miami, all across the state. And obviously, you have people from out of state coming in. Slow me down and talk about those doors and kind of the mix of fishing and people with fishing backgrounds that you experienced in the club. I found that the club really, like you said, it has really expanded my knowledge on fishing techniques throughout the state. I have a good friend who sail fishes out of West Palm Beach and I learned how to, you know, do that style of fishing. And then we have a good friend who likes to uh pole for snook down in Fort Myers. So we'll push pole around the flats for snook there. I'm out of Anna Maria, so I kinda have introduced uh a lot of my friends into, you know, red grouper fishing, hogfish, uh some of the more inshore types of fishing over on that side of the coast. We have friends from South uh, North Florida, you know, that teaches how to like inshore fish and pull around for that style of red fishing. Mm. And we also have a lot of like freshwater and bass fishermen as well. We actually, uh, we would even do seminars during some of our meetings on how to, you know, best bass fishing techniques for Central Florida, or best crappie fishing techniques, water temperature, depth, things like that. And it really like, it makes you a very well-rounded angler. And it also gives you a lot of connections throughout the state you know, as we all graduate, progress through our careers, we can reach out to these people, maybe for, 
you know, job opportunities, but also just for a chance to disconnect mm -hmm. and try something new for a change. Instead of going out and hiring a guide, we can go with a familiar face. Yeah, I kind of wish I was a part of this club. Like I could do my own version of 21 Jump Street where I pretend to be a college student and I joined this fishing club would they ch would they check to see if I was actually a student I'd just be some creepy old dude you could pay alumni dues. Yeah. as long as you pay <laughs> alumni fees I mean we had we had people from all age groups we had uh veterans join our club mm -hmm. you know that were in their mid-30s they just got out of service they needed a, a way of disconnecting uh and they kind of found that in the club you know they made their own certain friend group and it helped them through that and to me, one of the things is I listen to you talk about all these different people coming together. So it's very easy, especially for people when they really get fixated on one type of fishing to, to kind of close doors to other styles of fishing. And one of the things I've learned from being around different captains and people who are what I believe just really dialed in is that they have connections to people in other fishing spaces and they learn from them. So like CA is very tuned into the bass community, even though he's predominantly doing inshore, saltwater inshore. And when you do that, all of a sudden now you've opened up all sorts of information and all sorts of techniques that maybe haven't come into your space yet. So that to me, I think is a really, really cool opportunity for people also to, if, if you have a background in, you know, offshore fishing, but you got some kid who loves bass fishing, but he's talking about his love for his marine electronics and now all of a sudden you're learning stuff from the bass world about it that maybe will translate well or vice versa those types of things i think are really exciting and then the other the other side is i think that there's back to the barrier of entry thing even if you grew up doing a lot of red fishing like where do you begin to get offshore if you don't have the money to just pay a, a pretty pretty heavy charter fee so that all of that to me, I think is really compelling for people to be involved in things like this. And then you mix in the fact that you guys care about conservation and, and now you're kind of tying a bow on it. And I think hopefully people are going to come into fishing. You just hope that they come into it and think about it the right way and try to preserve it pushing forward. What was the most impactful guest speaker seminar? I'd like to hear from each of you that you feel like was like, wow, that's the one I think about the most. I have a day. It's not really like a speaker because we, you know, our, our events really range. Like sometimes we'd have like a guest speaker come out like we're King and saying, and you know, we, we did have that. Um, but we also went down to West Palm and you know, there's this company, Meng, maybe, you know, Kyle and Keith Ross, but, uh, they invited us down for the day. They ended up getting a permit to plant mangroves down in West Palm. And this one really just sticks with me because of how awesome of a day it was. You know, they invited us down, you know, we did a little bit of like work in their, uh, you know, nursery for all these mangroves and their mission's awesome. Like they, they go out and they plant as many, as many mangroves as you humanly can, you know, they, and all they need is just more hands. And well, we had more hands. And, um, so we went down there for the day, drove two and a half hours from Orlando to West Palm with about, I want to say there was about 20 people with us you know it's kind of difficult to coordinate all these different college kids to do the same thing at once but you know if you get 20 there to drive two and a half hours spend all day drive back up have a long day like that you're winning um and so yeah you know we did all that uh went down you know on the boats they took us out and uh we planted 200 and i want to say like 40 230 mangroves in one day in lake worth lagoon and I think that really stuck with a lot of people, too, because it's not like, you know, people think hear the word conservation and they're like, oh, man, well, that takes so much work. And, well, 
for everyone that was there, you know, the it was their favorite event they had all year. They said it felt like a mini vacation, even though they were there for less than, you know, mm-hmm. 24 hours. And um, they did really something great. And it's going to be really cool one day when we drive past that island, maybe and down in Lake Worth again, when we all have our nice uh, Palm Beach houses or something. And uh, we point to that island. It's just like, hey, we planted that. Yeah. You know, and I think that really is going to stick with a lot of people for a long time, especially if they see it again in, you know, 15, 20 years. And they're like, wow, you know, I can't believe I caught a snook on an island I planted. So, mm-hmm. yeah pretty awesome i would say the most impactful speaker as far as you know just strictly speakers goes um i remember the most would be ca richardson you know just growing up every saturday morning instead of turning on cartoons i turn on flats class and into the blue and all those shows and just you know obsess over you know fishing television and to kind of see him come and speak to a fishing club you know and hear all these techniques direct from him it was really, uh, mm. it was pretty special. So it was, it was an awesome time. But I would say if we go to like most special events, it would have to be, um, we kind of. Reel to reels up there. Yeah, you can, reel reel you can plug it. You oh, can that's plug what it. I was going to yeah. say. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, kind of going back to how you were talking about all of us pull together all these techniques and we kind of like make one big, you know, like fishing being kind of like mm-hmm. the UCF real nights. I kind of saw that potential whenever I was, uh, a junior in college and I reached out to the actually I was a sophomore I reached out to the then president and I was like you know why don't we kind of like get a bunch of resources together gather up fishing rods and gear and stuff and go down to Belize mm-hmm. and donate these fishing rods to some you know people in need teach them techniques how to use them and stuff and you know it'll be kind of a kind of like a th- uh, philanth- philanthropy philanthropy yeah i got you yeah philanthropic yeah i try to you know coordinate the logistics and stuff and it really just was not possible with the belizean government uh but i ended up speaking with uh the event coordinator for the boys and girls club of central florida uh shortly after that fell through and i kind of came up with an idea on how we were going to teach 50 kids underprivileged kids how to fish uh and I brought together a few of our good club members uh, and other organizations at UCF and, you know, got some sponsors together. And I was able to also get a grant from Fish Florida, uh, 50 fishing rods with tackle boxes and all the gear they need to kind of go and start their adventure on their own. And we went out there, taught the kids how to tie knots, the importance of conservation, biology. I had a FWC officer out there, John Auber. He's a great guy. Uh, he brought out a truck and had all the cool gear the kids just like loved Mm -hmm. and we just had a great day with a lot of kids catching their first fish uh covid ended up making that event fall through we ran it two years in a row to begin with 2019 to 2020 and just now in 2023 i got back together with logan and he wanted to kind of do like one last hurrah Mm -hmm. you know as president it was yeah no it turned out fantastic um you know, we, how many kids did we have? 30? We ended up getting 30 this year. So yeah, 30, 30 underprivileged kids. Uh, you know, super proud of it. The event turned out awesome. We had a lot of hands from the club, um, come out and, you know, donate their day to make these kids catch their first fish. Um, you know, mud hole tackle, they ended up really being a huge help. They donated the space and, um, it couldn't have been more perfect. Like, you know, whoever put on a worm basically caught a bluegill. Uh, there was one kid that, you know, uh, ended up putting on an artificial worm 
because he was like, I'm just feeling this for some reason. <laughs> Keegan was there for it. Yeah, he was. Uh, his name was Zion. He, uh, we had an initial, like one of our lessons that we taught during this event was artificial lures, hmm. how to use them, you know, techniques and stuff like that. And he told me, like, I want to use something that you taught me today. And so I ran back inside, grabbed some artificials, and I told him, what lure is speaking to you? And he said, I think this stick bait right here, this mm-hmm. thing's speaking to me. I said, all right, what color? He said, my favorite color is green. So he threw on, you know, dark green uh, uh, stick worm. I don't even know what they're called, honestly. Mm-hmm. First cast, he was just reeling it in, slowly popping it like we taught him in the lesson. And he's, it, he kind of stops and he hands me the rod and he's like, I think I snagged on a lily pad. And I pick it up and just this like decent like two pound bass just jumps out of the water and he just starts screaming. Yeah, he's anyway, gonna be fishing yeah. that color the rest of his life. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's how that works. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he took like a handful of them to go. Yeah, it was, everywhere uh, I go, everywhere I go, it's like always like, man, like this is the color for here. And then, but then it's like you really wonder, is it really, or like do you just have some sort of connection with this color that like this kid's gonna be fishing you know chartreuse everything forever yeah you know or green or whatever but yeah and i mean to me like with with the outdoor world there's this this sense that like we can become very self-centered and it's all about our experiences and about us fishing and hunting and doing what we want and having the gear that we want and it can just be so about us that there's something i was just involved in a i'm actually releasing a podcast about it later in the summer in an organization called cast for kids or my, my mom and dad actually put it together for underprivileged kids who have various special needs and disabilities in our area, um, in the County right next to us, Franklin County. And it's really, it was amazing to have so many guides and people come together for that event. And just for a moment, it wasn't about any of us and it wasn't about anybody's ego. It was only about these kids. And I think that's just such a huge lesson that to take your eyes off yourself and to help other people do that, I think is, I think it's great, a great lesson to help somebody early on in college learn that hopefully they keep that spirit the rest of their life. I'm curious, you know, you guys have mentioned some other universities. What's the relationship like from one fishing club in a university to another? Are there contests, competitions, rivalry? What's that look like? You know, it, it, it's kind of difficult because I think everybody kind of operates on their own schedule it, it's pretty disfigured if you will like we all kind of op- we definitely operate it as our own you know individual organization but um for the most part like it's if we host a tournament you know we might have a few people come up from uh USF or a few people come up from Florida Gulf Coast that's happened on a multiple uh multitude of times we haven't really interacted too much with UF um you know, they, they exist, they're there. Uh, FSU, I don't know if they're there or not. I know Heather Harkavy started it, um, but I'm not sure if they're still around. Um, but, again, it's all it, it it's on a very here-there basis. We tried putting something together with the UF Fishing Club, poking a little bit of fun on them on Instagram one year. And, you know, it got into talks, but that's it didn't, you know, it didn't make it out of the chat, unfortunately. And, um yeah, you know, we were really hoping to because, well, the more the merrier. Like a little tournament, maybe. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a versus tournament, but yeah. One of my favorite tournaments I've competed in was actually a spearfishing tournament organized by the University of Florida Salty Gators, their fishing club. Uh, they hosted a, hosted, it was only a collegiate tournament out of, it was close to Key West, 
And uh, it was on Cinco de Mayo weekend, too. So you can imagine a bunch of college kids going down to Key West on Cinco de Mayo. And, uh, you know, there's just a bunch of trash talk between all of us, you know, mm. seeing a bunch of people that we knew from our high schools or other high schools and being able to compete against them. It was a great time. It was so fun. Yeah, that seems like a what I would assume would be a very natural thing for there to be some rivalry between the universities, who's got the best club, the best anglers, all that. I think there's probably a lot of space there, you know, for maybe some challenges to even arise from this, our own kind of our own kind of fun right now. If you do you want to challenge anybody right now? Do you feel like there's Well, UCF's already the greatest, so there's no need. I mean honestly I'd say the the most trash fishing club in Florida is probably USF. Oh yeah. yeah, That place is just dingy. Which is interesting because they're close to to a lot of fishing. They just don't know what they're doing over there. They don't know football. They don't know baseball. Well, if you're if you're fishing. listening to this from USF, we'll we'll arrange we can arrange something here. Um, I'm curious for you. You know, as as president, you get a lot of you. You guys have each been president before. You get a lot of control in kind of how the club unfolds. What are what are you guys trying to pass to college age students? And what and let's zoom out a little bit for people who are guiding have kids who are in college guiding college students like what do you feel like is the most important lesson for for people to learn in that season of life when it comes to to hunting and fishing you don't know it all um you know it's pretty easy to go out there and be like oh well um you know uh i'm really good at xyz you know version of fishing whether it be inshore offshore over in you know mosquito or maybe out of out of the atlantic out of the cape or something um, but you don't know it all because everyone has their different way of doing it and it works good kind of all over. Like, I, as we were speaking on earlier, where it's just like, you learn so much from the people that you're around that even if you didn't go fishing, you still take something away from it and you're a better fisherman because of it. Um, for the, you know, for the outdoors and fishing and that whole world, listen, like that, if you could sum it up in one word, listen would be the word. Um, and yeah, I would say one of the most important aspects of going to college in general and not necessarily just the fishing club is the networking side of things. You know, you can learn all these life skills and stuff on your own, you know, watching YouTube, anything like that. But really it's like, who did you spend those four years with that will make your life better in the future? So I kind of like had a close knit friend group throughout college and that has still kind of carried with me till today. And every person kind of brings a special thing into my life. And I actually had the fishing club. Uh, they got me the current job I'm in right now, tax accounting. Uh, someone saw that I was in the fishing club. I had accounting in my Instagram bio. And he messaged me one day. He said, man, I wish I was in the fishing club whenever I was at UCF. You mm. seem like someone I really want to work with. Why don't you send your resume to me and we can you know, talk about job opportunities and stuff like that. And, you know, one thing led to the next. I ended up getting a staff tax accountant job offer just based off being in the fishing club and, you know, what I studied. But, I mean, also like what what I mentioned earlier, these networking opportunities, whenever everybody goes home, there's people in every major city, city in the state, they're part of our club. You know, like, how can you keep those people connected to you and, you know, close to you to where maybe, like, if either of you needs a favor in the future, you can call on each other and trust that this other person will help you out. Mm. 
Yeah, and I think we've I've heard reference to it multiple times this afternoon, but just trading trips too, like, hey man, you should come come up during spring break and come spend a couple of days fishing with me in my home waters. I'll show you something that I do, you know. And to me, that's been one of the things that I've noticed over the past few years outside of you know fishing clubs is just that how well connected a lot of these guys are. You know, it's not uncommon to see a really great guide be all, have this network of hunting opportunities, fishing opportunities. And just building real relationships with people who are passionate about the outdoors and also just knowing how to participate in that give and take and, and to be able to do that, I think is a huge, huge lesson to learn at a young age would be really phenomenal because a lot of the guys that I've been around are 50, 60. And, you know, if they want to kill an axis deer, they have a friend who can help them, you know, and if they want to catch a bonefish, they have a friend who they can go down and hang out with. So I think, you know, there's that old saying, your network is your net worth. You know, it's also true, I think, in the fishing world, too, that you're only as good as the people you're connected to and that you can learn from. So that's really helpful. One last thing I want to dive into, you guys mentioned just kind of, you know, one of the, I think, benefits of being a part of a club is there's just connections to brands and companies. How does that play out? Like how, how can how can companies and brands actually help, you know, organizations like this get off the ground and actually do meaningful work with people? I would say, I mean, I'd say fishing is probably, fishing and hunting are probably two of the most expensive hobbies that you can choose. And by these, you know, larger brands supporting our club, you know, lowering that barrier of entry, like you were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. to where something that, you know, someone can afford on a restaurant worker salary or something like they're working side jobs, they can, you know, buy a fishing rod, get out there and create those core memories in college that they wouldn't have otherwise mm -hmm you know, been afforded the chance to have these brands really make that happen. Like they are that special. It makes a huge difference to us. Yeah. And, um, one thing that, again, like this past year when I was president, one thing that I really wanted to do was, you know, partner with these companies on like a, what do they do basis? You know, um, like for Mang, you know, buy one plant one. I love shouting them out as they're just, you know, great people over there. Um, but you know, Costa helped out a lot you know, um, whenever there was an opportunity for us to go help out with them, you know, um, you know, they were like, Hey, you know, go work Miami boat show. And I was like, is this real? Like, am I going to be at the Costa booth at Miami boat show? That sounds absolutely awesome. Uh, sign me up. And so certainly did. Um, and it was incredible. Met a lot of really good people. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, every time that they, needed something you know like at the warehouse let's say like something small like that you know i'd bring a few people out from the club and it was almost like a you know first come first serve like i'd put in the group chat like hey you know costa needs help at the warehouse you know um they're, they'll give you something cool for coming out and uh it was just like oh me 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 like all the seagulls from nemo you know just like <laughs> mine mine <laughs> but um yeah, no, like, without any of these companies uh, sponsoring us, literally the club wouldn't be possible. Um, you know, dues only go so far, but if you have good sponsors that help you, you know, fundraise by whether that be donations of gear, uh, whether that be, you know, just whatever they have on hand, um, it doesn't matter. Like, literally all of it goes so far. And from a company's perspective, I'm not sure how it gets much better than that because if you imagine a campus of 70,000 people, let's say you donate one shirt, that kid wears that shirt, you know, maybe – once a week, maybe once every other week, advertising, hey, I have this really cool shirt that was sent to me by, you know, this company. And if somebody else on that campus of 70,000 people really likes that shirt, they're pretty likely to buy that shirt or at least check out who they were. 
Um, and, you know, not only that, but, you know, from a talent perspective, too. Like, if you're going to, you know, look for someone to hire, like, let's say you're a co-star or something like that, and you want the next person that's going to do marketing or something, we know that person, you know. And if you want someone that's going to stick with you for years, like, no person better than a new grad. And uh, so it, it's a win-win all around. Uh, you know, you can't lose when you're working with a college club. Uh, I, I, You know, it completely changed my perspective. I'd say it's the best thing I've ever done. Um, you know, I'm so thankful that I ever had the opportunity to be a part of it and to run it, you know, much less than that. So, yeah. Well, it's been really fun hanging out with you guys and just peeking behind the curtain a little bit into something that I didn't know much about and really enjoyed it. And I hope that for those who are interested that they'll, you know, it's really important that if you find something you love, you got to find opportunities to learn and to, to get out and do it. And I think, you know, being a part of a club like this is a great way. Thank you guys for carving out some time. I enjoyed it and hope to hang out again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank Thanks you. for having I appreciate us. you for having us. Thanks again for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast. Help us out by sharing this podcast with your friends online and leaving us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Thanks for listening. This is the Captain's Collective. life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv i'm will cooper host of HuntStand's make your mark podcast for even more content be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand presents on the waypoint tv channel every tuesday at 10 p.m eastern visit waypointtv.com to learn more